0: Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Hello, nature nerds. We are back. With a full episode. Full cream. All the things. <laughs> jam-packed, full of all the goodness. So much. Just so we don't forget. We won't forget because we are going to shout out two new patrons today. Yes.
1: We did recently record where we were like, we're totally going to shout people
0: out at the end of this episode. And we and just then
1: forgot. We forgot. So. At the end,
0: we're like, ha ha ha. Then we just stopped <laughs> recording. <laughs> all right. That was great. Yay. Yeah. It is happening today.
1: But so you're not going to get this
0: episode for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry.
1: It's fun. All
0: right. Anyway, what Are you got? Are you
1: ready for my story today?
0: I'm so ready. I don't know what you're talking about I'm going to be
1: talking about a man today. A man? A man. hmm A mountain man. Oh. His name was Hugh Glass. Do you know who I'm going to talk about today?
0: That sounds very familiar, but right. I cannot think of a mountain man named Hugh Glass. Let me start Hugh out. Grant,
1: <laughs> not a mountain man. <laughs> no. So Hugh Glass. I'm going to talk about Hugh Glass today. And there's some lore around Hugh Glass. There's okay. some like stories. I love lore. All right. Any ghost stories? No, 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 um, no ghost bummer. stories. But aliens? I will. Uh, no aliens. Okay. No aliens today. Okay, that was fun. <laughs> I will say that no records exist about his origins. Like, everywhere I looked, they're like, eh, we think he was born in Scranton. Fun. Oh. Fun. To Scott's Irish parents around 1783. So oh. This, this dude is like a real... He's old. He's, yeah, he's old. He's been gone for a while. <laughs> a while. Okay. He became an explorer
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: Upper Missouri River, present day Montana, the Dakotas, the Platte River of Nebraska, the Plains. Uh-huh. He was an explorer, Jen. Okay. he was into like but not in the like I have a map and I'm excited to learn about new pieces of land explorer way okay uh, there's a lot of uh discourse on whether or not the stories about his life are real if they're like tall tales just like exaggerated stories mm-hmm. I love it so much, but there is one reasonably credible source, and it's this guy George C. Yount. And Yount, I hope I'm saying that right, Y O U N T or Yount? Maybe Yount. sounds good. Yount was a trader, tracker, fur guy into furs, killing beavers, killing beavers. That's right. We are going to talk about. I'm going to just mention just a little sliver about beavers today. Not not anything like a you little already did. Sliver. One. A little sliver.
0: Oh. I don't know. Just-
1: Yeah, good times. It fits. And Yunt or Yount or whatever, he joined the Santa Fe trade in 1825, and he traveled through the Rocky Mountains and personally knew and was a friend of Hugh Glass. They, like, knew each other. They hung out. Okay. So he got a lot of stories from Hugh and then put them into kind of, like, it's, like, weird. There's—I didn't really include this in here, but he's talked to this, like, priest— who was like, wow, these stories are incredible. And then eventually it was put into like a memoir. And that memoir, I, there's like a couple other people who also wrote memoirs or stories about Hugh Glass. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of movies. And I did watch one of those movies and it was very long. <laughs> but anyway, so like I said, there's not really anything about Hugh's upbringing or family, but when he met Hugh, Yount said that Hugh told stories of his life as a pirate. So we're going to start there. We're going to oh. start when he was a pirate. So sometime between the years of 1817 and 1820. So he would have been like... Thirty years old already. So, w- what happened before he was thirty? We don't know. Who cares? Glass was reportedly a sailor, or possibly the commander. Question mark.
0: Was he those years he was working on his pirate accent? Yeah, he was just <laughs> for
1: thirty years. Yep, he was like I perfecting don't it. Yeah, so he may have been a commander of an American ship, and that ship was seized by a very famous French pirate, Jean Lafitte.
0: Okay, Jean Lafitte. He was also training his parrot.
1: He was. It takes time. He was, yeah, needed to work on walking with a peg leg. I don't know.
0: I question what I did in my 20s.
1: Where where did it go?
0: It's true. I feel like I went Life started at 30.
1: I feel like I went from like 15 to 35. What happened?
0: I don't know. know. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. I didn't even do a lot of drugs. It's a lot of mistakes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. All right. So Glass, like I said, was likely in his 30s when Lafitte's band of pickeroons or pirates (laughs) boarded his ship and he was given the choice to either join, be a pirate, or die. So he was like, cool, I want to live. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be a pirate, I guess. And for the next year, he lived in this small pirate colony of Campeche. It's like camp
0: C-A-M-P-E-A-C-H-Y. Wait a second. that (laughs) That sounds like a real summer camp. Yeah, camp Peachy. Like, yes. it was like a pirate camp But and I where just, was this in my life okay I
1: imagine that their logo is like a little peach but you know how peaches are like butts now like yeah it's the emoji for they just all have like little short shorts with like little peaches on the back and they're like we're living in
0: Peachy. or it was <laughs> like a peach with like a pirate with the, thing yeah. over the yeah, eye yeah, yeah 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 and like a little like sword yeah. machete thing <laughs> That would be amazing. Okay, so yeah,
1: they're living <laughs> in this pirate colony of Camp. That is so cute. <laughs> Campeche. It's on Galveston Island, which if you're not sure where that is, it would later become Texas, right? At this time, it's not Texas yet because this is like way back in the day.
0: Galveston Island, though. Galveston Island. It's not Island. all Texas. Yeah. Just that piece is now part of Texas. Correct. Not that yes. that is yes, Texas. yes,
1: yeah. Only Galveston <laughs> is
0: Texas. That's it. <laughs> it became Texas. That is it's what is lot. known as Texas now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing. No, yeah. Okay, so this is a portion, okay. <laughs> a very tiny portion of this Texas. is good. So the port of Campeche, <laughs> the name Campeche is so funny. Okay, it's so cute. The port of Campeche was in a very dangerous location. They said it was the mainland on both sides of Gal- Galveston Bay was infested with Karankawa Indians who were rumored to be cannibals, but this is heavily debated. Okay, come on. Yeah. So let's do like the tiniest dive. Into the Karankawa tribes,
0: yeah, it's so like little little it.
1: bit. Okay, so the term Karankawa refers to a thought to be extinct. More on that later. Group of Native peoples who resided along the Texas Gulf Coast from Galveston Bay to Corpus Christi, and they shared a common language. But there's actually three distinct tribes. There's the Coex, C O A Q U E S, the Copanes or Copanes, effing this up, Copanes, mm-hmm. and the Karen. Quakas, which is spelled with a lot of C's. And I feel like that's where the term Karenkawa came from.
0: Yeah, a lot of C's.
1: Yeah, a lot. of There's a lot of C's and Q's. So they were nomadic hunter gatherers and they lived in round thatch hats or wigwams. And they're, of course, you know, like south, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like tropical E type weather. It's warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they traveled in bands of 30 to 40 people. They were led by a chief and their principal mode of transportation was the dugout canoe. During the winter, the Karankawas would, and I feel like I'm not saying that, I feel like it's Karankawas. It's a little to Karen, you know, like <laughs> Karankawas. The Karankawas would set up camps around coastal bays, and they subsisted on like fish, shellfish, turtles. And then in warmer months, the tribes would move inland and hunt deer, bison, and gather berries, nuts, and roots. Karankawa men were hunters and fishermen. They crafted pottery, baskets, weapons, and they used the longbow. The bow and arrow was their primary weapon for hunting and warfare, and then they used a longbow. Cool. Cool fact. Karankawa men were reported to have been unusually tall and heavily tattooed. They pierced various parts of their face and bodies, and Karankawa women also tattooed their skin and wore body paint. So, I've seen a picture of a modern-day Karankawa woman, and her, like, the bottom of her eyes, like the ridge of her nose, and up was is all red. Yeah, I saw in some pictures like the men would have these kind of red lines um, uh-huh. on their face, and then some black lines and stuff like that, but yeah. Those, That's why they like, their cannibal.
0: <laughs> yeah, just because they look scary, they just look scary. Yeah. yeah,
1: their clothing was fashioned from animal skins or Spanish moss. So I did read something that they were like, like a lot of times just naked because it was like warm, and they were like. Pfft. Who cares? It's
0: like the people, the original Chamorros of Guam. Yeah, they just, were just just nakey butt, nakey butt, because they're like it's hot, it's
1: real hot. Listen, here. <laughs> I don't need anything else. On I don't you, really thank need you. that stuff. Good. <laughs> the air is thick enough. Right. Ritual flesh eating of one's enemies was not uncommon among tribes in Texas and Louisiana, but there is not sufficient evidence to suggest that the Karankawas were among those groups which practiced cannibalism. And like I said, yeah, I think it's just like the tattoos and their like imposing stature. Very mm-hmm. tall, that they were a little bit scary.
0: Yeah, for to sure.
1: The first time Europeans. So, the first time they actually met Europeans was in 1528. That's the first recorded French and Spanish. By the early 18th century, the Spanish had organized a number of missions, of course, to Christianize the native tribes and to make them loyal subjects, as is the way of the colonizer. I wonder
0: how many missionaries it took. <laughs> just how many? They're just throwing missionaries out left and right. They're just getting killed. Yeah, that's,
1: that's the Killed. origin of that joke, right? Like, how many missionaries does it take to start a church? <laughs> but it's really... And then, like, later it was light bulbs. <laughs> right.
0: It's a lot. Hundred, hundreds.
1: A thousands. lot. Thousands, yes. yeah. Of course, this conversion attempt was created some tensions, you know, like, as thrusting one's religion onto another person is want As to do. It, yes, yeah. Also in the early 1800s, I mean, we know this story, epidemic diseases were wreaking havoc. Then in 1819, the pirate Lafitte, mm. who we've heard of, yeah, with Hugh Glass, in tow, they had a mini war with the Karankawas. Lafitte's men kidnapped a young woman from their tribe, and 300 warriors were like, what's Ain't up?
0: happening, yeah.
1: We're getting her back. We're going to attack you. Unfortunately for the warriors... The pirates were armed with two cannons, Ugh. and bows and arrows were no match for that. So after Mexico gained independence from Spain in 1821, Anglo-Americans were encouraged to immigrate to Texas.
0: Wait a second. They just took the girl. They
1: just took her. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I just don't like them already.
1: Yeah, they're kind of rude. They're yeah. Rude. Colonists were frequently attacked by the Karankawas. Why not? Yeah, yes. <laughs> and efforts were made to exterminate, I'm using quotes here, the native peoples. Ugh. During the 19, or sorry, 1840s, only a few scattered tribes of Karankawa Indians remained along the Texas coast. Continued issues with disease, colonization, genocidal warfare proved to be a lethal combination and by 1858 the Karankawas were considered an extinct group of people. But again, We'll talk about that later. So, one might say that relations between Native peoples and the Europeans was not, like, super hunky-dory.
0: No, never. Not happy.
1: So, let's go back to Hugh. He's working for that pirate Lafitte, Jean Lafitte, in this area with all these hostile uh, relations with the locals, right? And additionally, Campeche was surrounded by murky waters where there were a lot of alligators, venomous snakes. It was not a good time. Yeah, Mosquitoes, I'm sure. Yeah. Just clouds of mosquitoes. In his book, The Saga of Hugh Glass, author and historian John Myers wrote that, quote, Glass implied to George Unt the reality of being a pirate far-topped in horror, any vision of the trade possible to one who hadn't been enmeshed in it. There are monstrosities of conduct belonging to a society which has cut itself off from honor and compassion that outsiders can only understand at the price of forced association. So I think it's safe to say that Hugh Glass was like not stoked to be a pirate. Right. He was like, I'm not really into it. you also believe that Glass was actually kind of religious. Like he had a fear of God in him.
0: But wait, I thought mm-hmm. he was like a commander of a ship and then it got taken by that guy. And he
1: it was like, You're either gonna die or you're gonna join us. And he was like, Okay, I guess so it I'm just was knowing. like
0: he was like a reluctant pirate. A reluctant pirate. Okay.
1: He he was not like yo ho ho.
0: Yeah. He so in actuality,
1: he didn't train a parrot or anything. He was just like <sighs> Not into it. Yeah. So, Yunt says, the cruel murders to be perpetuated daily as they shuddered from their inmost souls and shrunk from those deeds of blood, it was impossible for them to conceal from their despotic lord the emotions of of their hearts. So, he had a real apathy for piracy. He was not into it. And that apathy got back to Lafitte. Essentially, they were like, this guy just doesn't love it. Like, he's not into it. You know, pillaging and plundering and all the things. (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. He's just
1: not down. And so him and there's this other guy who's also kind of an apathetic pirate. <laughs> They're supposed to have this hearing, quote unquote, hearing before Lafitte following the return to Campeche from wherever at sea their captain logged them as having gone on strike. They're like, so, go to
0: summer camp and get your, <laughs> get your head together. Get your pirate badge. Okay? <laughs> That's all I'm telling you. And then come back here and you better be pirating hard. You better swab that deck with a freaking pirate. Smile on your face. <laughs> I want to see that parrot on the shoulder when you get back. Standing high, standing tall. Thank you very much. <laughs> Going
1: uh, <to> camping, <laughs> <pen. M-T-G. laughs> So yeah, at some point Lafitte was like, "That guy. What's with that guy? <laughs> like he's he's just not meeting his quota of piracy."
0: Was the we... <laughs> movie called "The Reluctant Pirates"? <laughs> that would be a great name (laughs) it'd be so good guys tm Uh, that's mine
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) so good so glass figured okay i'm gonna be killed for not being the super loyal pirate i'm not like hardworking or anything but Mm -hmm. as luck would have it and i'm just saying luck is kind of a theme in this story the night before the hearing all the people on the ship except for him and that other dude, they left. I don't know, they went to have like a party at Campichi. I don't know. But he was like on the ship with this other guy, this other uh-huh. apathetic pirate, alone, and they were like,
0: Let's peace out. So
1: you we were on the same page, right? And so they took some loot, trade, booty, booty, if you will, <laughs> and jumped ship. They just pirate's like, booty out. delicious. <laughs> so delicious. <laughs> They took twelve bags. bags. <laughs> Trader <laughs> Joe's <laughs> pirate booty. <laughs> um, so they jump off the ship. They swim for two miles. Whoa! Yeah, and they get to the shoreline and they live there for a while. That's the amount of story I can give you. I don't know what a while means. Was it two days? Was it two years? Who knows? Well, <laughs> but it it's was the eighteen hundreds. It could yeah. be.
0: Yeah. So they the other pirates came back from
1: P- <laughs> pillaging. <laughs> like getting yeah I mean, whatever they were doing they were probably doing like they're probably <laughs> <laughs> what? sorry i just thought of this they came back from their talent show and a, like end of camp-, 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 camp dance <laughs> yeah from campy
0: that's <laughs> what they were doing
1: all their pirate's booty was gone they had no snacks for midnight snack
0: they had nothing. They it was like they came back from the talent show expecting for their like slumber party. Everything was yeah. gone. Yeah, it was gone. All the pi- bags of pirate booty was gone. <laughs> all,
1: all the eye masks gone. <laughs> Rude.
0: So, where's my peg leg? Gone. <laughs> gone. <laughs> they used it to like float on for two miles. One hundred percent.
1: So eventually, okay. So they're there for a while. They're on the shore. It's kind of rough because on the shore there's also a bunch of Karnkawa that are inhabiting that area. There's a swamp. All the they're kind of over it. So eventually, they're like, we got to go further inland.
0: We got to survive better. So, but they set up like <laughs> they just live there with like like Milky Joe stuff. <laughs> <What is this? laughs> not just... Milky Joe. <laughs>
1: calls we can't say it again because the scott will be like what's wrong with you how do you not remember that That was a long time ago coconut joe oh God. Every, time, every time we get it wrong anyway that <laughs> that thing from the mighty boosh all right moving I on, moving
0: on. Need to, we need to get it together here sorry <laughs> Me too.
1: it's late well it's because my house had an air conditioning issue and now it's like really warm it's like, I can I can feel the sweat <laughs> happening to me right now. I
0: am drinking a lot of coffee. That's, That's perfect. all I can say. Perfect. Okay.
1: All right. So they start moving inland. Of course, they have no maps. They have no idea about who lives where or what lives on the land that they're crossing. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it had just been newly acquired through the Louisiana Purchase. But they keep walking. In search of a settlement. They're like, we got to do it. So there isn't really a timeline for the travel, but they end up walking a thousand miles into Indian territory. Mm-hmm. And somehow, amazingly, they avoided running into any of the Comanche, Osage, and Kiowa tribes who would have 1000% scalped them immediately.
0: For sure. Yeah. So then, okay, so I looked it up. It is Milky Joe. I just want to tell you oh, that I okay, got get it right you from, did the, get it from right. the beginning. You did. I feel like if they were doing that whole bit <laughs> yeah. from like the Nightmare of Milky <laughs> Joe, like the whole thing, then the I feel like the, the Native Americans would have just left them alone.
1: <laughs> they would have been like, those guys are crazy. They're like, let's just
0: leave them. Let's we, just watch. Let, it's kind of entertaining. It's entertaining.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But they did meet up with a band of Skiri or Wolf Pawnee. So Pawnee. Oh, oh Pawnee. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, someplace in the Central Plains, right? Because aren't there Pawnee in Oklahoma?
0: Well, I feel like there are, I mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody was there to begin with. Sure. Yeah. They all just got sent to Oklahoma. This is true. Yeah. Just a
1: quick note on the Pawnee. You can read more. I have so many links on all these different tribes in the show notes. But they were distinguished from other tribes in the area because they had a more like ritualistic society. So they had a lot of shaman and like doctors, like animal doctors kind of, who performed rituals to bring about change in the environment. So like rain rituals or like harvest rituals, right? It's like way more nuanced than that. But for time's sake, we're just gonna go with that. Okay. Also, they were sedentary. So they had like a horticultural lifestyle for the spring, summer, and then they would do bison hunting in the fall, winter. So they kind of would follow the bison to the plains, stuff like that. Okay. They also lived a part of the year in these earthen lodges. And of course, village life, just like many tribes across the uh, North America, it was all about village life, super essential to be like a part of a community and all of that stuff. So Hugh and his friend are captured by these wolf pawnee. And it turns out that the practice of this tribe was to offer a human sacrifice in the belief that this ritual would assure them a fertile land and an abundant season of really? crops. Yeah. So, I don't know exactly how they did this. Maybe any, many, many, mo. But another bout of luck for Hugh Glass, his companion, ended up being burned at the stake and pierced with slivers uh, of burning pine. <gasps> so, that was really traumatic that for him, I'm sure a, to see. That is a,
0: like, that's a pretty hardcore mm-hmm. ritual. So, yeah. question. Yes. Did they do it to their own people like they chose somebody from like or was it always right? an outsider
1: so i didn't read into it too much because i was also wondering about that but then there were so many things to go through for this story that i was like
0: or they're like hey guys, no so and so doesn't have to let's just get sacrificed
1: because we <laughs> got these guys yeah there's just like some kid right they're just like oh my god
0: <laughs> it's like some 17-year-old. Somebody ready. that nobody likes. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> just Bill. <laughs> they, nobody likes Bill. That's they just so, roll the dice. He's like, like, damn it. And that was slivers of hot...
1: Burning pine.
0: Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah.
1: So That's terrible. Yeah, he lucked out. Glass. He didn't get... Burned at the stake, uh, but the thing is, they were scheduling the next sacrifice. They're like, okay, well, we did it on this. Moon. We need to
0: save this guy for next year. BT
1: Dubs, we're gonna save him for the next one. Yeah, so totally. it's all good. So he was like, well, I'm definitely gonna be like sacrifice. It's gonna happen, but
0: he's like, listen, I'm a reluctant sacrifice. I'm not like super. I'm
1: kind of apathetic about being i I'm sacrifice. not really into it. <laughs>
0: Could can, can we? Could can you find somebody? Else? I already
1: was a pirate. I, did and I like didn't like it. Work out well. Yeah. <laughs> not really into the sacrifice life, you know? <laughs> anyway, it turns out kind of nice for him, though, because the Pawnee, even though they're like, we're planning on sacrificing this guy, they do take really good care of him.
0: Well, and, yeah, because they're going to sacrifice yeah. him. They feel sorry for him. And they they really, like, I don't know, he got along with
1: them. Uh, there was this historian, the John Myers historian. He said, because such murders are ritualistic, it is not likely that Hugh's black bean was promptly drawn during the period of waiting until another suitable ceremony. Moreover, Pawnee practiced... A practice called for treating the victim well out of honor, the God or spirit to which he would be dedicated.
0: We're like, we're going to be really nice to you before we stab you with hot pieces of wood. It's like fattening the pig, you know? Or they like, just like in the cartoons, like they put him in a big boiling water and he thinks that he's just like, it's a spa. They're just like feeding him. And he's like, this is great. He's like, this is wonderful. You're like, yeah.
1: And he's like, it's a little warm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's getting a little too warm, guys.
1: Then the day of his sacrifice rolls around. I think this is from Yount's accounting. He said in what he thought was his final hour, quote, two approached him to strip him of his apparel. The ruling chief stood by to pierce his skin with the first splinter, which was deemed to royal privilege, right? So it's like the, the chief is going to be the first one, like that's oh. his, like, right. Glass thrust his hand onto his own bosom and drew from thence a large package of vermilion. An article which, and I'm sorry about this. This is how it said in there, the savages value above all price. Of course, we don't refer to them as savages. Yeah, That's but you're ridiculous. reading old reading style old t- stuff. Yeah. He gave the packet to the proud and haughty brave with an air of respect and affection and bowed his final farewell. The chief sees this and he's
0: like, I like you. He's like, I didn't know you had some vermilion <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> he was like, I like you. You're gonna live bring bill over
0: here (laughs) where's bill get that (laughs) annoying kid over get that guy
1: (laughs) he needs we're swapping it out today (laughs) he adopts hugh glass as his son
0: no over some vermilion over some vermilion which i don't even know what vermilion is Uh, it's right what is it it's some old-timey thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> I feel like, we I, feel like no, I know what it is. It's definitely a plant of some kind. I feel like you put it in a tea, maybe. Or Hold on.
0: Gosh, no. <laughs> We're going to have to look it up. Hello, Google. All right, Jen, you found okay, it. Okay, Google says that it's a brilliant red pigment made from mercury sulfide, or cinnabar. And it's since ancient times, it was regarded as the color of blood. So it's like a really... I mean, it's a big deal—a bright pigment. It's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, the chief actually thought that it was like a sign from God that he had like produced this, and so I think that lended to the whole like. That was part thing. of what he
0: took off the pirate ship. I bet he's just been hanging on to that. He was like,
1: "I'm going to need this one day.
0: Yeah, I'm going to keep this. It's let special. me
1: just let me just put it real close to my heart." Yes. <laughs> so he ended up living with the Pawnee for several years. He eventually married a Pawnee woman. Nice. Yeah, there's no record that he ever had any children. Okay. So I don't know if they ever had any children. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. But all right. So during this time, he learned about edible plants and seeds, right? They were like, this is how you go out into the world and live off the land. And he even went to war with them he was as like a tribe their member. Peace corps. Yeah. E- exactly. I yeah. later say, like, he's a
0: Peace Corps. <laughs> he was their His peace time corps. with
1: the Peace Corps. So he, like, really loved it. It was great. But then I'm not sure why. Big question mark. He leaves the Pawnee. And he heads to St. Louis in the early 1820s. Huh. He's like, "It was great to know you guys. I learned all the things. I got my readjustment allowance. I'm ready to go to St. Louis." <laughs> so, anyway, now in the 1820s, the beaver fur trade was kicking off in the mm-hmm. Rocky Mountains. It's very mm-hmm. big. If you want to know more about beavers, listen to Jen's beaver episode where you talk about all of this. My beaver episode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a great episode. (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. All right. But in 1822, there's this lieutenant governor of Missouri, and he's also a businessman. His name is William Ashley, who, along with another mountain man, if you will, um, Andrew Henry, He's one of the few men with personal experience, like, running a trading and trapping company uh-huh. in the Rocky Mountains. They decide they're going to do some trapping and fur trading. They're going to start a business together. So they make a new company. Henry was going to be the fieldwork guy, and Ashley would be the logistics finance mm. office guy, right? So they post an ad in the St. Louis newspaper seeking, quote, enterprising young men to ascend the Missouri, the river, as hunters. So there are some folks who join them Jedediah Smith, Jim Bridger. There's always got to be a Jedediah. Always, always, always. For sure. (laughs) And boatman Mike Fink, they sign up the first year. The plan was to establish a fort on the upper Missouri. They're going to supply that fort using keel boats, which I think are just like wooden river boats, right? Right. And then use it as a base from which to send their trappers out into the mountains. And this is kind of actually, I don't know if I say it later, but this idea of like setting up a camp and then sending people out to do trapping and stuff, Mm -hmm. that is the origin of mountain men, like where that came from, them doing all those things.
0: What do you mean? Like, because they would send the people out The idea of a them. mountain
1: man. Yeah. was like, you know, like how when we say mountain man, what do you picture in your brain?
0: Oh, I just think of somebody, like, living out in... Yeah. On a mountain. But, like, a big beard. It, yeah. And, like, all this. Maybe not so washed. I mean, everybody back then had beards, though. Sure, 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 sure. But...
1: But I think this is where with the quintessential, like, I wear a plaid shirt... <laughs>
0: you mean like just somebody from portland <laughs> yeah just somebody from portland
1: yeah from, this I is brew where my own beer Cutter came
0: from i love avocados
1: yeah yeah but okay. i mean not i don't think those those are just you know not real mountain men
0: yeah no i'm just but, but yeah 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 but yeah yeah, exactly okay anyway i read that someplace but they live when close to mountains movies. they do so they can see them yeah from when they ride their bike to work <laughs> like there's my mountain. brother my brother rides a bike everywhere <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. He's important. That's why. Anyway, the company would primarily harvest furs directly rather than depend on the tribes who were local, like tribes. It used to be, right, that like the tribes would get the furs and that's what they used to trade mm-hmm. with these like European and American, or American, uh, Anglo-Saxon, whatever anglo colonizers settlers colonizers,
0: colonizers. <laughs> 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 amazing um so in
1: 1822 Ashley and Henry they go up river and they built Fort Henry which I mean we know why because Henry where the Yellowstone River meets the Missouri it's approximately 2000 river miles from St. Louis and Ashley then went back downriver to organize and command the 1823, the year of 1823, resupply trip. So they kind of like set it up. And then Ashley's like, I'm going to go back down. I'm going to like get us ready for next year. So he hires Hugh Glass, William Sublett, Thomas Fitzpatrick, and James Clyman that year. So once Ashley and the new crew get underway, so they're going to the fort, right, the journey was a weeks of pulling, hauling, and only occasionally sailing heavily loaded 40 to 60 foot keelboats hundreds of miles against the current of the snag-filled Missouri. It was really difficult.
0: Sounds That's terrible. Basically,
1: Yeah. If they did 15 miles in one day, it was like a really good day. That's all. just lot. hard
0: work. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. And so, they're going
0: 2,000 <clears> miles?
1: Yeah. Ew. Kind of like back and forth. Oh. So at some point in this endeavor, in what is now central South Dakota, Jedediah Smith arrived by canoe from upriver with a message for Ashley from Andrew Henry, right? Like the partners are discussing mm-hmm. with their little mm-hmm. letters. It turns out there was a raid, Assini Bone Indians. Oh man, I really messed that up. A-S-S-I-N-I-B-O-I-N-E tribe. And all of their horses, Henry said all of their horses were run off or taken. So the rivers closer to the mountains where they were were too shallow for boat travel. And Henry was like, you guys, you have to send me some horses. He's like, Ashley, get me some horses. Use that money. Finance some horses. Right. Turns out in Ashley's route where he was traveling with Hugh, William, Thomas F- Fitzpatrick, his little group, right? Right. Where they were traveling, they're going to be going through an area of the Ari Caras, And they've been called REE also in other stories that I read. R-E-E, the REE. And I think that's like a slang that people used, but I think their actual name is Ari Kara. Okay. So anyway, they're like super good traders. They're really into. They're actually where all of their villages are are kind of like points between all of these European, like all the colonists trading routes. Okay. So they're gonna act like middlemen always, and it's just like a known thing. Like we're your middlemen. They're they're. I mean, honestly, the mafia. All right. Yeah, but they're in control. <laughs> they're basically. in control. Yeah. They're like, we control this river. Uh huh. Like, best of luck trying to trade stuff without us. Yeah. So Ashley plans to trade some stuff for a herd of horses, and then he's going to split his group of men. One group is going to go with the horses overland to Fort Henry, so they're going to go just hiking to Fort Henry, while the rest of them are going to finish hauling the boats up the Missouri to the fort. But let's talk about the Arikara for just a hot second. The mafia. The mafia. So the Arikaras, or Sanish, they're also called Sanish, were a trading and farming tribe uh, on the middle Missouri. Like I said, they were the middlemen. You really had to all trade flowed through them. They produced a surplus of corn, squash, beans, and local tobacco as their direct contribution to trade, but also, yeah, middlemen on things like furs, guns, horses, whatever. All the other stuff. Of course, Ashley was like, I don't... Want to use you as a middleman? Oh. Yeah. He was like, I'm like into finance. And the smart thing to do is just cut the middleman out. Uh-oh. No need. So the Ari- Arikaras were like, F you, uh-huh. we're not going to be cut out of any part of trade along this river. Um, so there's already like some tensions building. And in 1823, two Arikara villages really dominated this bend in the Missouri, and there were about 2,500 people who lived there. And the villages were, like, super fortified. Like, they had, like, earthen homes on the inside and, like, really tight, and then they had this, like, kind of barricade around their own village. Oh, wow. Just kind of like, we dare you, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So on May 30th, Ashley, he anchors his keel boats midstream from the villages and he's like, you know, puts up the parlay flag and he's like, I want to parlay. We want to trade. We're not going to fight. And so he left his keelboat and he went ashore to have negotiations. And the Arikaras wanted compensation because recently there were some fights with another fur trading company, not this Ashley Henry fur trading company, some other I don't know, French or something like that. Right. And there were several dead warriors. And so the chief of the Ari cars was like, you got to pay for that. Right. And Ashley was like, that's not my but, company. But
0: I we didn't do that. We
1: didn't do that. And my people have nothing to do with it. But to make it clear that he was being peaceful, he presented them with gifts. Okay. Okay. So the Ari cars are like, yeah, you guys all look the same to us. So sure. Whatever. We'll take these gifts. Thank you so much for acknowledging responsibility For this travesty, this -hmm. conflict from this other company, there's like a miscommunication, right?
0: Yeah. The tribe
1: is like, good. Yeah. Yes. You need to acknowledge this. And he's like, I'm just giving you gifts so you don't kill me right now. I just want to live. Yeah, I just want to live. Ashley then is like, okay, let's talk horses. And he's like, I have guns and ammunition. The Arikara's had horses. And it was reported that Ashley traded 25 muskets plus ammunition for 19 horses, which was really cheap. So what I'm thinking happened, because they don't really talk about it so much in the like, descriptions of what happened next, is that the Arikaras were like, and what else? Like, yes, here, these muskets and the ammunition. What else? Right? Mm-hmm. And so Ashley was like, okay, we're done trading. Like Thanks. Give he us our star- horses yeah. now. He was like, cool, cool, cool. And the Arikaras were like, no, dude, not cool. Yeah. So Ashley takes the horses like he planned and he pieces out. He splits his men into a river group and an overland group. He puts Jedediah Smith in charge of 40 men on shore. So let me just, I don't think I explained this, but there were those like Hugh and all these like Jedediah, those people are kind of like leads. And then there's a bunch of like, you know, field swabbing tics. the deck guys. Yeah. Field techs. Exactly. A <laughs> bunch of field techs. Like mountain men in training. Yeah. 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 They got to schlep all the stuff. Yes. So Jedediah has forty men on shore, including Hugh Glass, to mine the horses on the beach below the lower village, and then they're gonna drive the horse herd to Fort Henry overland. Mm-hmm. And the boatmen stay aboard the two keel boats anchored thirty yards offshore. and they're the next morning they're gonna start up the river. But there's a windstorm. and they all have to wait on the boats and at the village uh-huh. before they leave. Like nobody can go. It's like real awful weather, okay? And like that day or night, an Arikara comes to Ashley, and he's like, FYI, some of the village warriors are planning an attack. They're like, you're going to die. So <laughs> Ashley's like, bro, I'm not concerned. Like, everything's cool. Like, I already did the trade. Everything's cool. Like, I did. Th- I gave the gifts. I did this thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's totally fine. And the shore party ends up securing the horses. They make camp. They rest. Two of Ashley's men, Edward Rose and Aaron Stevens, like, go to the nearest village because they want to meet some ladies. <laughs> Yeah. And the accounts of the battle that happened the next morning, June 1st, it's not, they don't entirely mesh up, but what follows is a blend of several accounts so that we can kind of, like, see how it played out. But sometime after midnight, three Arikara warriors slipped aboard Ashley's boat and tried to enter his cabin but were chased away. I guess Ashley, like, had a pistol and he was like, I'm gonna
0: shoot you. like, <laughs> you, if you guys could see Megan, she just did, like, a complete, like, Yosemite <laughs> Sam move, like, with two pistols. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, So good. Then, screams come from the lower village, followed by Edward Rose running onto the beach to tell the shore party that Stevens had been murdered. The other guy, that they were going to go find the ladies, right? Yeah, yeah. Those on the beach, they argued as to whether to try to recover Stevens' body or immediately swim the horses to the opposite shore. Mm -hmm. even though it was dark, but they decided to just wait there and be ready for daylight. They're like, okay, well, I don't know. We're just going to wait here. So before dawn and and Arikara called out to those camped on the beach saying he would go into the village and bring out Stephen's remains for the price of one horse. He's like, I'll bring that dude's body. You guys got to give us back a horse. And then everybody was like arguing about it. And they're like, fine, whatever. Just we'll give you the horse. Bring us his body. So the Arikara comes back without the body. And he says, listen, he was real messed up. So we're not going to return him to you because it's gross. (laughs) Nobody wants
0: to touch him. Nobody wants to touch him. He's yucky.
1: So dawn comes. The Ashley men on shore or on an open beach with all the horses, just like sitting ducks. ducks. They look uphill to the riverbank topped by several hundred yards of rough palisade. But I mean, it's just like the riverbank, right? Yeah. And then they could see the lower Arikara village and they can see warriors Ramming home charges in their guns because they gave them all guns
0: <laughs> for oh, trading the trading
1: horses. Shoot. The two That's keel boats, yeah, the two keel boats are still moored. The, the current is super swift. Each it's had a super swift, super swift. Each had a rowboat or a skiff bobbing kind of next to it, right? <sighs> Just like an extra little tiny ship. Moments later, the first musket ball slaps into Ashley's men and horses on the beach. Dead horses quickly become barricades as hunters attempted to get clear shots at warriors behind the cliff. There You we know, horses have always paid the highest they price. They really do. Yep. They really do. Some on the shore called out to the keel boats to come and pick them up. They're like, come and get us. Of course, the keel boats are like, I'm sure those guys were like, no. We're good. We're good. But Ashley says, you got to take them closer to the shore. But his boatmen were hunkered down, and initially, they were like, we're not going. He was like, no, we need to save them. So they (laughs) started to head that way. One keelboat finally advances, but it ran aground on the sandbar. Oh, no. Next, Ashley got two skiffs headed for the beach. And then, of course, that's when all of the tribesmen were like, oh, you. And so they focus on him. They're just like shooting (laughs) Yosemite Sam. She's doing it again. (laughs) I just can't. I can't help it. So he's on the skiffs, they're firing at him. One vessel got a few men off the beach and onto a keelboat, but an oarsman was hit before a second trip could be made, and the boat just drifted downstream. And the Arakaras, sure of their victory, began to come from behind the palisade to close on the beach. At this point, those who could swim dove for the... They were just like, F it, we're swimming.
0: Yeah, what have we got to lose at this point? Yeah. yeah, but
1: the current is really strong. The weak swimmers, some of people, some of the people who are wounded, right, just uh-huh. like down the water, never to be seen again. Ooh. So they're swept away. Arikara warriors swarm the beach. Ashley's crew get to the keelboat. They free it off the sandbar, and they get into the current and start floating downstream. And the crew of the other keelboat cut its anchor cable and let the current take them as well. They were like, F it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're gone. So they retreat. And the idea was to let the Missouri just carry them out of, like, musket range. They're like, let's get the F out of here. Well,
0: I mean, muskets. Right. Yeah. I mean. It's true. They probably couldn't fire that far. The whole battle was, like, 15 minutes long. Okay.
1: And in that It sounded time, longer. It sounded longer, but it was like, boom, 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 all the things. Yeah. Very fast. Ashley had lost 14 men. They were killed. 11 were wounded. Arikara losses were maybe, like, five. They were like. We're good. Don't f with us.
0: Where's Hugh?
1: Hugh made it onto a boat.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the shock that follows the defeat on the beach, and also they're being chased down by the river, the Ashley men are like trying to regroup. People who are like in the water, they're trying to you know get them into the boat, like uh-huh. try to help people, whatever. Actually, they got a bunch of the remains of like dead people. tried to bury them. You know, this is like a while later. Hugh Glass, he was actually wounded in this battle. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a letter to the family of one of the dead, um, John Gardner. And he wrote, Dear Sir, my painful duty is to tell you of the death of your son who befell at the hands of the Indians the 2nd June in the early morning. He lived... Oh, my birthday. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Well, now you have a battle in remembrance of your birthday.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there it is.
1: He lived a little while after he was shot and asked me to inform you of his sad fate. We brought him to the ship where he soon died. Mr. Smith, young man of our company, made powerful prayer, which moved us all greatly and persuaded John died in peace. His body we buried with others near this camp and marked the grave with log. His things we will send to you. The savages are greatly treacherous. We traded with them as friends, but after a great storm of rain and thunder, they came at us before light and many were hurt. I myself was shot in the leg. Master Ashley is bound to stay in these parts till the traders are rightly punished. So... Not the greatest but also of the time
0: punished with log, <laughs> with log. Oh, God. so so here we are now yeah a reluctant mountain man traitor <laughs> yeah yeah now he's shot in the leg
1: you know i think about that he was accepted by the pawnee and i wonder if he was ever a reluctant pawnee like was he happy there that's I what want i want mean. to know i want to
0: know if he was happy. that's why he left why he's did just, he leave he's, he's just he, apathetic about everything everything yeah i wonder if during this battle He, like, held up some vermilion, and it was just, like, shot out of his hand. (laughs) He was like, well, it
1: didn't work this time. But I have vermilion!
0: (laughs) It was gone.
1: Oh, good times. (laughs) So, after this defeat, Ashley's initial plan was to armor the boats with wooden planks and just force their way beyond the Arikara as quickly as possible. So all these other villages are going to have to pass. Everybody's going to be after them. But so many of his men were like, absolutely not. You need to come up with something different. I don't right. want to go past that village again. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Yeah. So he sent one keelboat downriver to St. Louis with the wounded men and those who had enough of the Western fur trade, who were like, we're really apathetic. Like, we're over it. We're already. done. We're done.
0: We're moving on. We. I want to be an accountant. <laughs> yeah. Like, they just want anything. <laughs> anything else. Yeah.
1: Along the way, that boat deposited all the goods. So they had put, like, whatever furs and stuff they had there on that boat. They put it at Fort Kiowa, which is another trading company's post. So it's not their fort, but they're like, whatever. Just mm-hmm. put it there. We'll get it from them later, hopefully. He sent Jedediah Smith and an unnamed French Canadian overland to h- Andrew Henry to ask for reinforcements. So Andrew Henry was like, send us horses. And now Ashley is like, send us more men because all the horses are dead. <laughs> like we <laughs> we really effed up.
0: <laughs> Some, just something I mean,
1: happened. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna tell you the specifics. I'm not gonna say that we were the problem, but yeah. Possibly. I mean, I'm sure in his mind, he's not the problem. He's like, these, you know, why Why did they do this to us? But right, like, it's right. because you offended them. Like, oh, yeah. don't be a jerk. So, anyway. Well, it sounds like
0: somebody else offended them first, so they were yeah. already grumpy. They
1: were already, like, not into it. Yeah. All right. So, Ashley then chose a spot further downriver, and they're just going to camp and wait for help. Rest, recuperate. Mm-hmm. They're going to do the burying of the dead, all that stuff. They're just going to chill. Throw down some logs. Throw down some logs. <laughs> Along with the wounded, Ashley sent letters reporting the battle to the army at Fort Atkinson. So there's, like, an actual army fort, like, in St. Louis. Uh And he sent these same letters to newspapers in St. Louis, and also to the ranking Indian agent calling for help to punish the Arikaras and reopen the Missouri to American trade. He was like, these guys suck. Mm -hmm. You guys need to come out here. We're going to go beat them up, right? So,
0: I have a question. Yeah. Are you telling this story because we're going to St. Louis in a couple of weeks? Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. No, I, it, it, no. I was but like, is this some sort of like
0: pre St. Like, Louis thing? Yeah.
1: Like a little history lesson. How we're, how we're going to, yeah. Cause we're going to be in St. Louis for, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. But this, it just happened to be, I was like, oh, interesting when I was reading it. <laughs> so, the commanding officer at Fort Atkinson, his name is Colonel Henry Leavenworth, was convinced. He was like, I, he like read the letter. He was like, damn it, we have to go help them, right? And Mm -hmm. on his own initiative, immediately organized and led 230 officers and men of the U.S. 6th Infantry toward the Arikara Villages. Fun fact, not really. This was the first time the U.S. Army deployed troops against Native tribes west of the Mississippi. Mm. The soldiers marched along the Missouri with their supplies transported in keelboats on the river. Leavenworth called his force, quote, the Missouri Legion. Before he got to their villages... There was this, like, mixed force of Army infantry, 50 volunteers from the Missouri Fur Company, 80 more volunteers from Ashley and Henry's combined group, and 500 Lakota horsemen. So he ended up getting down there to the Arikara villages with, like, 900 people.
0: Oh, my God. Men. Yeah.
1: Of various backgrounds. Mm Mm-hmm ready to fight. Hugh Glass was still, he was still healing from his first encounter, like from his leg wound. And so he was like, yeah, I am not gonna go back and seek revenge. I'm gonna chill here. Mm -hmm. and rest up Uh, a quick note on this retaliation battle uh, after a day and a half of like some skirmishes and like some smaller attacks and after they used up uh, a lot of their ammunition for the two big cannons that they had leavenworth decided that he was going to parlay with the arikaras and the other officers was like no they were like you need to we need to destroy them like wipe them off the face of the earth oh man right so this frustrated many of the missouri legion especially the lakotas who saw no further chance in for glory in battle, and they were like, deuces, and they went home. So 500 <laughs> Lakota horsemen were like, goodbye.
0: Yeah. Like, no. you don't
1: want to fight? Why are we here? Yeah. Like, we're literally warriors.
0: Like, like my you're gonna... shirt says warrior on it. And you
1: want to have a little conversation? Like yeah, no. not happening. So they're like, bye. Ignoring objections from those who thought the Arikaras had not been adequately punished for killing Americans, Leavenworth negotiated a treaty... With the Arikara leadership, they accepted his terms. Then they quietly abandoned their villages during the night. They just left. Isn't that weird?
0: I'm like, what did he
1: give them? Hmm. There's not a lot of detail. Leavenworth then declared victory, of course, and ordered his troops back to Fort Atkinson. He was like, we are victorious. They're like, what did we do? Nothing. (laughs) We
0: didn't really do anything.
1: (laughs) This one guy got a splinter. I don't know. As the army departed, they saw smoke rising behind them. Against Leavenworth's orders, the Missouri Fur Company employees had set fire to the empty towns, the villages. They just, like, lit them up. With no village, the Arikaras spent the next several years living with other tribes, moving around, and whenever they ran across American trappers, they would murder them.
0: Uh, I bet they did, because they're like, we're having to sleep on people's couches now. So
1: the re are like, we hate all of you. Yeah. And we're going to murder you anytime we find you. Oh, boy. And they're all over this, like, trading area, right? So they just just
0: made it so much worse. So much worse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For everybody.
0: Yeah. Ashley and Henry
1: now considered the Upper Missouri closed as a route to the mountains because, yeah, they burned that bridge real hard. On top of that issue, they had amassed huge debts because they didn't bring enough furs to keep running their business. Okay, so the only plan open to them seemed to have men in a position to go overland into the mountains to trap and hunt and whatnot. So Ashley retreats downriver to Fort Kiowa. He trades a bunch of his goods for horses, and then he split, again, splits his men into two groups. Andrew Henry is going to lead one party cross-country to Fort Henry, so the same kind of deal, right? They're going to shut down Fort Henry, and then they're going to move south to winter with the Crow people. So Hugh Glass... At this point, he's sufficiently recovered. He heads out with Henry's 30 men, and they have six pack horses. It's August 1823. Ashley returned to St. Louis because he had political responsibilities, and also he had to pay a bunch of creditors. So (laughs) he sold off all that stuff, and he was like, I gotta go pay (laughs) these guys. His men explored and trapped both sides of the Wind River Range and identified the Upper Green River as prime beaver country. So they are doing some more beaver trapping. Well, exciting. Yeah. But... In order to avoid any kind of conflicts with the tribes, they really decided, like, we're not gonna use the river anymore. We're gonna do a lot of, like, overland stuff. We don't really wanna, like... Let's not do the river again. Like, let's... That didn't work out. out. That didn't work out so well. Yeah. Um, But they didn't have a lot of horses. That is not so great if you're doing overland stuff. Like, you're going to be walking along. So Henry's party, including Hugh Glass, right? They're mostly walking. They're leading pack horses. There's something like 17 of them in total. In late August, according to one of the company, one of the trappers that are with them, his name is Potts, they were, quote, fired upon by the Mandans and Goosevants in the dead hour of the night, resulting in two men wounded and two men killed. So they lose two. so now they're down to 15. But the attacking tribe, it turns out that he didn't know what tribe was what. They were not the Goosefants. I've never heard of this. I mean, there are so many different tribes, but they were the normally friendly Missouri River dwelling Hidatsa. I think I'm saying that. H-I-D-A-T-S-A. Um, and the Mandan Indians were like usually really low key And so they were like, why are we being like, why are they being so hostile to us? And I'm like, probably
0: because you guys have been jerks. Yes. All these other
1: tribes are like telling each other. Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. Anyway, it turns I guess this is the only recorded incident of hostility towards Euro-Americans in that tribe, the Mandans mandans or mondans i'm not sure how you say but anyway by late august or early september of 1823 henry and his remaining 15 men were pretty far up the grand river valley and hugh glass his role really in all of these things is a hired hunter he's like a really good hunter okay and he kind of like does some he goes ahead of everybody and he's like hunting some stuff and like bring back things for people you know to like eat so
0: maybe that's what he was doing the first portion of his life
1: yeah he was yeah. hunting. Well, plus he was like maybe born in around Scranton, you know, <laughs> and my sister is like from that area. There's a lot of hunting. People love hunting there. It's there like you thing. go. So anyway, he is like a pretty far distance ahead of the group. He's looking for game. He's at this like the river bottom. He's like, what What can I find? He comes across two grizzly cubs. And who's with them, Jen? The mom. The mom. And she's like, what the f***? He gets severely mauled. Like... You can see his ribs from his back into uh, his body mauled. Uh, and this is where I tell you that I watched The Revenant.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah.
1: So I was like, oh, you know, I've always been scared to watch this movie uh-huh. because I just know it's going to be so hard to watch. Because Leo. And it's like, I know he's going to get mauled by a mm-hmm. giant bear and I know that he's going to lose his family, right?
0: And then he gets left for dead. And he gets left for dead. All right. So all this right. is Hugh Glass. He's the guy in The Revenant. I was wondering if we we're ever going to talk about this story. Yeah. So I finally watched it.
1: It's like three hours long. I fell asleep. I had to rewatch it. Again. But was it I good? Was it was really good. Yeah. It was really good for sure. There's a lot of inconsistencies between the actual story uh-huh. and like The Revenant for sure. Okay. Because in The Revenant, I don't know if I'm spoiling this. I don't think so because it's like a major plot point.
0: And it's been
1: out for a long been, time. Yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. On. Yeah. He has a Pawnee son. His wife was murdered in some kind of, like, attack by U.S. soldiers. Uh And then he's taking care of his Pawnee son by himself. And then this other guy, who I'm going to talk about here in a minute, Fitzgerald, murders his son in the movie. And he is, like, revenge central. Okay. Okay? But in actuality, there's no record of him ever having a son, and there's no record of a young boy coming with him on these, like, trapping experiences.
0: But they so need, they, they need they to thicken in the, the plot.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is, it really rips at your heart. Like,
0: like a like a grizzly. Like a
1: grizzly bear. It was. <laughs> and I will also say that like initially I was like, I wonder, I like asked my son, like, oh, do you want to watch this with me? And then it popped up rated R. And I was like, mm, maybe not. And yeah. he was like, no, mom. He actually said to me, It's rated R. I can't watch this. And he got up and went to his room.
0: And so I watched it. You're like, every night I'm gonna be watching rated R, but you're like <laughs> all the
1: time. It's rated R. <sighs> Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> and the attack scene, the bear attack scene is like. Visceral. It's so intense. I was like, wow, that's insane. Like Leo's just getting chomped. Just getting. And it's like, it ends for a minute, and then, you know, keeps, she comes back. Keeps going. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was really
0: intense. How did they I, do I it? Moment. I mean, was it it's a real bear? It definitely filmed a real bear. It, it's I, like they just bring in, like, claymation bear. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it was intense, Jen. <laughs> it was crazy. It's just like... <laughs> it's, it's like the, the original <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Yeah. It's just, like, a superimposed giant bear over him. <laughs> no, it was...
1: I thought, like, how did they... D- I don't even know how they did it. I don't know how they did it. It's uh. crazy. But, uh, yeah, like I said, the accounts of this mauling, it was, like, so bad that you could see into his back. And, and there's also an account that the mama bear ripped a bunch of his skin off and fed it to her babies. Ew. He did eventually kill the bear, in this fight. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, right? yeah, you got to yeah. do what you got to do. You have to. Yeah. So he in the movie, it shows him like shooting the bear and uh-huh. then stabbing it a bunch and then it dies. I don't know. It doesn't say in any of the stories exactly because he never there's no account from him uh-huh. about like this is how it happened. Poor cubs. Oh, yeah. Really sad. I'm almost a positive 100 percent that they caught the cubs and dispatched them, you
0: know. In the movie?
1: No, 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 In, like, real life. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So there were cubs and then the mom. So he kills the mom. The party that he's with, they hear a bunch of screams, maybe a gunshot. I'm not sure. And they find him with the bear. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, holy crap. He's still alive, right? He's like... I mean, since you know the movie, like he's lived I've never after seen this. the movie. You never, so he lives. He lives, Jen. He lives. Well, after I know he lives, yeah. Yeah, but I yet. never
0: watched the movie. I imagine it's similar to when the Native Americans didn't want to bring that guy. They're like icky. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're really,
1: yeah, it was really. I like, just kept you thinking, <laughs>
0: really, go to a doctor. Too bad there isn't one. I just kept thinking, like, why do I watch?
1: Because I, I love Westerns, right? <laughs> I love that, like, kind of gritty, but all the at the same time, like, whenever I watch movies like that, I'm always like, can you just take a bath? Like, since somebody get that guy some hot water, yeah, and soap, because I just cannot anyway. <clears throat> actually there's this scene so in it the mom like rips his throat uh-huh. and so he can't really talk and I don't know how true that is either but the so later on he's trying to like cauterize the wound and he takes gunpowder and puts it into his wounds and uh-huh. then lights it
0: oh yeah I bet that was, was like crazy. a thing people did yeah yeah I always think about how painful things were back then oh, yeah. but also people there was like a lot of drugs around
1: yeah that's true so. just, just straight opium like the best opium ever yeah or Native yeah.
0: American drugs just like some peyote or whatever <laughs> you'll be fine just get some of that. Just get in. Get inside. You'll yeah. yeah just breathe. <laughs> You'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they find him. They're like, "You are messed up."
0: They're like, they like, were like, oh my, oh my god, holy crap, you guys!" And they're like, "Hey, come here. Look at this. <laughs> it's
1: like he's missing part of his back." They're like, "He's going to die tonight."
0: Yeah, for like, sure. For sure. But they mm-hmm. get up
1: in the morning. Guess who's still alive?
0: They're like, oh, bro.
1: So Andrew Henry is like, okay, I'm a God fearing man. We gotta keep moving. Make a litter, like a basically like a thing to a hold. A litter? It's called a litter, but okay. it's like old timey word for you so know, he can use the like bathroom. They <laughs> <laughs> make him a litter
0: pan. No, so they we'll put leave him, on. Him, here, <laughs> give him some a bowl of water, a bowl of food, a litter box. He'll <laughs> be fine. It's okay. <laughs> He's gonna turn into a bear
1: eventually. Like God feared. So. Yeah. So yeah, they put him on like a thing to carry. Yeah, him. like yeah. a what's the word of the <laughs> I don't know. One of those things, like a portable God. bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, a gurney. A gurney. It's a it? gurney. Yeah. It, like, yeah. Yeah. Gurney? Yeah. But without wheels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's another word. We're just never thinking of it. Someone is screaming it right now. It's fine. Right. So they're like, we're, we're going to carry this guy. So for two days. And remember, they're going overland. It's very rocky. There's a lot of stuff going on. They just on keep here. dropping him. <laughs> in the movie, they drop him like five times. Oh my God. It's so awful. In the river, in like icy cold water. I don't know. They're carrying him through, like, this awful terrain. It's super steep, rivers, whatever. I was like, I can just imagine that the guys in the crew were like, let's Oregon trail this dude. Like, he (laughs) needs to get dysentery and just die already. Yeah. So, after a couple days, Henry is realizing, like, okay, we are in hostile territory. Uh Uh-huh. We are trying to get out of here. This is really slow. It's screwing us over. So yeah. he's like, we got to meet up with our other men. This is too dangerous to be moving this slow. So he's like, I need two guys. You're going to stay with Hugh. You're going to wait until he dies. Okay? You're Where gonna... they had to, like, draw straws. No one <laughs> wanted to do that. They're like... <laughs> They're like, you're going to give him a proper burial.
0: Uh-huh. You're going to put the log. Get, get the log ready. <laughs> get the
1: log. Put it there. Then you're going to meet us at the fort. Okay. Okay? He's like, I'll pay you $80 bonus, which is like... That is buku bucks a lot
0: of money back then.
1: In the movie it's a little different, but 80, a lot of money. They're like you're going to get a lot of money. Okay. So there's this experienced woodsman, John Fitzgerald,
0: uh-huh. and
1: this younger kid, he's like 19. There's different accounts about who what his name was, but it's like his name is James Bridger, I think. He's 19 years old. Anyway, they're like all right, we'll stay. So Hugh Glass can only breathe and move his eyes. That's the only movement he's making. Okay? Like the rest of him is just like paralyzed. After five days, like, they've been there for five, so two days before they're carrying him. Now they're just sitting there, this guy Fitzgerald and Bridger, they're sitting there watching him for five days, and he's still alive. And they're like, what is going on? By this time, Fitzgerald was like, we are going to get scalped. Like, some tribe is going to come and kill us we got to get out of here. He uh-huh. tells Bridger, who's like younger, impressionable. He's like, we got to get out of here. Like, I don't, we can't watch over him anymore. This he's is boring. Die. I'm bored. <laughs> I'm I need boring. to go. I'm done. <laughs> he's like, he's going to quote unquote, go under any day. So the, the two men, they put his pallet thing, whatever, his bed uh-huh. next to a flowing spring and they leave. They also take his gun, knife, tomahawk, and fire making kit. Lame. Because they're like, he's gonna die. He doesn't need it.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, so wait. Did, did they
1: feed him at all during this time? Like, how is he eating? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Okay. So this is when I think that Hugh Glass's time as a Peace Corps came in really handy. Oh, I Because bet. he didn't have anything. Yeah. In the movie, they actually cover him with the fur of the mom bear like Skinner and then they give her they give him that well, as like a covering and I was like that's nice. Um really? and then the kid Bridger makes him like a But necklace. the head's
0: still on. <laughs> <laughs> they just lay <laughs> it next to him. He's like good god. He's like just wow, PTSD.
1: It's just awful. Um but the kid Bridger in the movie makes him a bear claw necklace. And actually there's a picture of him like old timey picture with a bear claw necklace and I wonder if that's like a true
0: point uh-huh. in the story anyway.
1: Uh-huh. So somehow Hugh Glass summons the strength. I don't know how Jen to start crawling back to the Missouri River, driven by the will to survive and an intense desire for revenge on the two men who deserted him for dead.
0: Oh. He was
1: like, you're going to leave me in the woods? Are you kidding me? He's
0: like, I was trying to get you food and I got attacked by a bear. This I, is how you repay me? Right. I feel
1: like this is the part of the story where he is not apathetic, okay? He's like, revenge is like his lifeblood. I don't know. The travel was really tedious and slow, the only nourishment he had came from insects, snakes and whatever he could find on the prairie, like tubers or whatever, grass, whatever.- uh-huh. A week or so into this trek, he finds a pack of wolves eating a buffalo calf. He waits for the pack to leave, and then he goes and he gets the carcass.-huh. And he like basically like just chills in this one spot with the carcass, and that actually enabled him to gain a lot of strength and really heal. Because it's like a ton of protein. He's right. just like, like I'm going to stay here with this like carcass. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to just rest. Yeah,
0: I mean, did he cook it? Or
1: I don't know. He didn't have any fire. I mean, maybe, maybe he didn't. I mean, he
0: probably knew how to make a fire.
1: In the movie, he ate a lot of raw stuff, oh. including buffalo. So. All right. Well... Just I like, mean, you gotta do
0: what you gotta do. Yeah, they actually do show him coming across
1: a buffalo carcass, just like the bones, like no meat, and he like rips open and just pulls out the cartilage and eats the cartilage. Okay, in the movie, it's real. Oh, God. But he All stayed
0: with the po- the Pawnee would go and hunt bison. Oh and, yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm sure knew. he knew what yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So after he has this little rest and like protein refueling moment he's traveling a little quicker. Once he reached the Missouri River, he obtained a hide boat from some Lakota Indians who were like very friendly to him. And then he floated down river to his destination. So by mid-October 1823, he limps into Fort Kiowa, where everybody's supposed to be. He went 250 miles by himself.
0: Holy crap.
1: And he is revenge focused. He's mad. Yeah. After weeks of survival on his own, He had been at Fort Kiowa only a couple of days when he learned of plans to send a small group of traders to the Mandan villages that were like 300 miles upriver. So the guy who's in charge of this, like, trek, it's like another fur trading company, right? Mm -hmm. Fort Kiowa. This guy, Joseph Brazu. I'm not sure. B-R-A-Z-E-A-U. Brazu. Brazu. Was like I think the Arikara are like super cooled off now, like they're not angry anymore. Let's head upriver and do some trading. He was like, I'm gonna send five men. I'm gonna have this guy Anton Citolue. I don't even know. This is a French name. I'm so sorry. C i t o l e u x. am sure. It's, I'm sure. Yeah, people are writing it down right now. I'm sure. Right. But he was known by his nickname.
0: Langevin? <laughs> Langevin. Really? What kind sure. of a nickname is that? I don't even that's know. That's he made up some himself. Fr- some French thing. All right. Like, why didn't he go with something like T bone? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Like we don't even know how to pronounce that. Sure. Like go with something a little bit more, you know, cool. Easier for people. Like and easy like,
1: and fun. Yeah. I don't even it, this yeah, it feels very French. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but maybe it's something fun in French. Maybe it's T bone in French. Th- you know what? I think that's canon. It is. It's
0: T-bone in French. That's what we... There it is. Perfect.
1: Um, all right. So because Glass was part of Ashley and Henry's trappers, they were like, we know that you're a trapper. You're cool. We're going to let you purchase a rifle, shot powder, and all your other supplies on credit. Mm-hmm. Because we are trappers, you're a trapper, whatever. We got to stick together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Us trappers got to stick together. Stick together.
1: So his ulterior motive, because he was like, I'm going to join you guys uh-huh. on this thing. He's like, I got to get upriver. Because Why? He's got to murder some people. He's got to get to Fitzgerald and Bridger. They are going to be at Henry's fort at the Yellowstone River. He's going to exact his revenge. It's happening, right? I wonder,
0: like, how messed up he looks, though. I mean, was he like Fire Marshal Bill, <laughs> just like, messed real. up, <laughs> just missing his lips? Just, like his lips are gone, and I... <laughs> yes, and all just, like, the things. Not very stylish. Oh gosh! And they're just like, this guy's really creepy, but whatever. <laughs> just like he wears bear claws like uh, as a necklace like something happened here they're like he's don't question it (laughs) but nobody wants to sleep by him (laughs) or like eat next to him because the food just kind of like it just falls (laughs) it's just real awkward
1: oh that's really good (laughs) also i just want to like side moment that you do a really good fire marshal bill thank you like i when we met Wait first, and you did it. I was okay. like, "We're gonna be friends forever." Like that is. So I
0: watched every episode of In Living Color. So it's such a great show. It's such a great show. Anyway, okay,
1: so he's like, "I'm gonna join your crew." They get on the boat. Six weeks, rough weather, wind. It's like same thing as they they had like in the earlier times, right? Just like mm-hmm. really hard. They're like a day away from this village. They're going to this Arikara village first before they get to the fort. Right below the village where the Arikara are. Glass is like, hey, I'm going to jump off here and I'm actually going to go overland because you guys are going to go around this like big curve and I Mm got to get to the fort quickly. Like, what's the shortest distance between two points? I got some friends. I told him I'd be there. I got to meet them. They're waiting for me. He's like, I got to get to Fitzy and Bridger. (laughs) 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 I got to take care of some stuff. Yeah. So he's like, I don't have time. He was essentially like woaming, but you know, he was, he was, he was moaming. He was
0: moaming. He was was on a
1: mission. On a mission. Yeah. So, kind of a lucky turn for him because a day later, the whole crew of that ship are attacked by the Arikara, who were not cooled
0: off—not at all. They were not chill. Like getting your whole village burned down, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really tend to fade no, from memory very no. quickly.
1: Every man on the boat is killed. Oh, so again, just a lucky move for. I mean, I, I mean,
0: he, he's lucky, and he's, he, he's yeah, not.
1: he had a bear attack, but yes. he also lived, but also. Why would you I would never want to live after that kind of bear? I mean yeah. Jesus. Okay. And then they put the bear on him yeah. and left him. And they're like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. All right. So within a few miles of the Mandan village, Glass is spotted by some Arikara women who are gathering firewood. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's like on his way to the fort, he's passing this village. The Arikara are living with the Mandan, right? Right. These women see him. And they're like, whatever alarm, they sound like, you know, like. (laughs) Look over here, look over here. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sorry. That (laughs) was a Three Amigos reference, (laughs) if anybody got it. Thank you. So
1: good. (laughs) All right. A group of warriors hear them, Mm -hmm. and they start quickly riding towards Hugh Glass. They are like, we're going to murder this dude. He's a trapper, we can tell. In another, like, amazing stroke of luck, two Mandan men, right, the tribe that are, like, Mm -hmm. hosting the Arikara, see him they think it would be fun to like not let these warriors get this guy and so they get on their ponies right and they get ahead of the arikara or the rees right they scoop him up and then they end up taking him to tilton's post like a, another fur trading company establishment i'm like why was that fun for them or did they were they just like peace loving and they didn't want a whole thing or they're just messing around with the Re?
0: yeah they're right. just like, let's
1: just mess with them. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a great afternoon. They want
0: to kill this guy. Let's not let him. They were bored. How did they know he was a trapper? Did he have like the fringe jacket? He just had like a raccoon hat. The raccoon tail hat. <laughs> just, was that what it was? He had a name tag. It said tra- <laughs> it's a trapper. It's a
1: trapper. It just he just, you know, he just looked it. He just it was it. like he Hugh? was a mountain man. Yeah. Trapper. Hello, my name is Hugh. And then trapper underneath or yeah. Expert trapper. Yeah, yeah. So when he gets to the trading post he hears, like, there's a bunch of dudes that are there, Uh they're talking about, like, oh my god, this boat that was went to the Arikara, like, this other Mandan village, like, they just got massacred. Like, they're gone. So he's yeah. like, oh man, that sucks. Like, I was on that boat. That's crazy. And then he learns that the men in the fort had been living for months under Arikara threat. So it's like, there was at no point any chill that was happening from that tribe. They were like, we are gonna kill everybody. So yeah. I don't know what that French guy was thinking like, oh, that's gonna be fine. Anyway, Freaking T-bone, man. Right? Get it together. So Glass, of course, remained focused on his current situation, his pressing need to reach the mouth of the Yellowstone River to get to Fort Henry. So he was like, I gotta go, you guys. I got some stuff to do. I got some murder to do. <laughs> I gotta go kill some guys. So he leaves Tilton's post. He goes uh, under the cover of darkness because he's like, I gotta not get murdered. And he ends up getting ferried to the bank on the other side of the river that's opposite these uh, villages. Okay. So he's like, I'm gonna, it's cool. I don't wanna, I don't wanna get murdered. So... Let's go back to when Andrew Henry was like, all right, Fitzgerald and Bridger, you're going to stay here. I'll give you 80 bucks. He's like, just bury him when he dies. You know, we'll see you later. So Henry's brigade had got to Fort Henry, right, at the Yellowstone, where Uh Hugh is heading. They got there in late October. And when they got there, they were like, we're going to relocate. We don't Uh want to be right here. We're going to go to further south to the Bighorn River Valley. And so they built a second Fort Henry. Fort Henry junior (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was built near the junction of the little bighorn and bighorn rivers this new location was about 30 miles south of the larger rivers junction with the with the yellowstone river so that's glass is heading to the yellowstone river he's going to be about 30 miles in the wrong direction okay so after starting his trek hugh this is back to hugh so we know that those guys are not there Hugh okay. doesn't know this, but we know it. So uh, he starts his trek in November. 38 days later, he gets to Fort Henry One, It's empty.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay? And he's, mm-hmm. like,
1: despondent, I'm sure. No, he was really He's like, focused. I am
0: not apathetic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no one knows how, but somehow he knew to head to the Bighorn River country where he would find the new Fort Henry. So historians think that maybe someone left a note. Uh-huh. Just like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> just like to the door. Like a post-it. Before. Yeah, just a post-it
1: <laughs> with some extra tape so it doesn't fly off in the wind. And it was just like, hey, we relocated to here. So anyway, whatever the case, based on information from a man identified only as Alan and who was allegedly there, Trapper George Yoon's account stated Glass walked into the new Fort Henry on New Year's Eve, 1823. So that was his New Year's Eve as he got to the new Fort Henry. Fort okay. Henry too. Okay. Yeah. So he gets there. Okay, this is all of his people from like the Ashley Henry group, and they they all of his people. They see him, and they are like, "What the actual f? Like you're dead?" Because Fitzgerald and Bridger came back and said, oh, "Yeah, he died. We buried him."
0: Oh, they said they ba- they logged him. They they logged they're like, were like we found the best log.
1: They're like logged. <laughs>
0: logged. <laughs> he's logged. He's it's good.
1: Yeah. Uh, but after they all kind of get over it. Hugh is like, where are Fitzgerald
0: and uh, Bridger? They're like, wow, you look really mad. <laughs> like the freaking Terminator, Jen. <laughs> They're like, do you want to tea? Like <laughs> and he just slaps it out of their hand. <laughs> where are they? <laughs>
1: so after the miles covered and the hardships endured and getting to the place of his anticipated vengeance. Yes. One can only imagine, Jen, the depth of his disappointment when Hugh was told that Fitzgerald had left and only Bridger was at the fort. Oh, Bridger, you better hide, buddy. That dude's just a hightail in it. And by the way, like some of the wording that I'm giving you is from a website called Hugh Grant uh, HughGlass.org. Hugh, Grant. <laughs> Hugh, Grant,
0: <laughs> Hugh Grant.org. HughGlass.org. It's amazing. Anyway. No, I like the words. It's very like. It reminds me of the commercials for the Time Life books for, <laughs> like
1: the one can only imagine.
0: <laughs> he yeah. shot a man just for snoring too loud. Like those. Yeah. What were those called? Oh we did a whole episode on that we did it It but the the west yeah i don't know we had some of them of course at our house so good yeah so glass is like bridger
1: wtf he's like hey bro bridger's like remember me (laughs) remember remember me you just left me okay bridger's like listen i'm a a young guy i'm young i'm uh, impressionable i was following orders that other dude was like out of it he was super scared i don't know So Glass, I don't know. They have a conversation. Glass is like, it's cool. I'm actually not mad at you. The real culprit here is this veteran trapper, Fitzgerald. He's a real jerk.
0: Yeah, let's find him. He's like,
1: I forgive you, okay? But I want my gun back. Because they took his gun. They took all his stuff. He's like, I want my stuff back. Yeah. And Bridger's like, well, Fitzgerald, who has... he's has... I don't have your... I don't have your gun. And he's like, okay, well, I still got to go get this guy. So he's like, I got to go to Fort Atkinson because that's where... Bridger is. He's at Fort Atkinson.
0: Oh, so now he's this, he's after one guy. One guy. And this is a
1: military fort on the Missouri River. Okay. At this point He doesn't win- care. He doesn't care. He's like no, no he does Fs, not care. No Fs. At this point, the winter is like insane, right? Because uh-huh. it's like New Year's-ish time, like January, yeah, yeah. right? He's gotta stick it out at Fort Henry too, which also makes me think of like pho restaurants, like pho, pho house one and pho, <laughs> yeah. pho house two. Yeah, okay. So anyway. Andrew Henry is like, I need to send some news to William Ashley. Remember that guy? His business partner, Uh right? uh Henry's like, okay, I need five people to go to Fort Atkinson. Just so happens we need to go to Fort Atkinson. We got to deliver some news and some stuff and whatever. And Hugh Glass is like, cool, I also need to deliver something.
0: He raises his, like, (laughs) hand, missing, like, three fingers, all gnarled. He's like, I also need to deliver something. Revenge. (laughs) (laughs) A big package of murder. Yes. Vengeance.
1: <laughs> anyway, so February 29th, 1824, Hugh leaves with this group. They're traveling overland. They're hiking. I kept using it even though, because I love it that they say overland. Anyway, and they get to the North Platte River and they make bull boats. It's out of buffalo hides. Uh huh. And they float down the river. Near the junction of the Laramie River and the North Platte River, these boats end up approaching a native tribe that's encamped along the river. So a chief sees them. He walks out to the shore. He's making gestures of friendship. He's like peace, love, happiness, whatever. <laughs> he's speaking the Pawnee language, and oh, he's like, "Come shoot.
0: ashore." <laughs> he's <laughs> like, Megan <laughs> is doing something with her arms right now, and it's amazing. It's like, it's like the siren call, right? Yeah, he's like, come, ash- come totally, ashore. Totally, you should totally come. Come here. on, we're gonna eat. Everyone's Great.
1: And, you know, uh, Hugh speaks Pawnee. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, no, these guys are cool. He's like, I I used to live with the Pawnee. They're like amazing. I was a Peace Corps there. It was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, totally, we're coming in. So the, they leave one guy, his name is Dutton, and all their rifles, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to be, you know, we're cool. We're cool. Leave their but bo- on the boats. They follow the chief into the tippy village. That's and the, name the, of the chief village. is actually just trying to get another sacrifice guy. <laughs> He's like, listen.
0: He's like, come <laughs> over here, let's eat. Do you fine. have some more of
1: that vermilion? I heard from this other chief <laughs> that you were into that. Anyway, so not long into their like conversation with these guys, Glass overhears two native folks speaking to each other in a language that is not Pawnee. But oh shoot. Arikawa. Arikara. Oh yeah. Glass is like, oh, hey, dudes. He's like eye contact with his he's like he's making the signal
0: right but you his know, eyes all messed up
1: <laughs> no lips and they're like what <laughs> but they're like why do you keep what what are you trying to do it's
0: like a face they're like it's a facial tick from it's, when when what happened he to has them. like Tourette's
1: I don't know <laughs> if you know about this anyway so at the first opportunity they just run for their lives towards they're like bye you know like uh uh-huh. just run towards the river only Glass and one other guy, Marsh, actually make it out. These other two guys who are with them get killed, like, pretty immediately. Ooh. But they split up. So Glass goes one way, Marsh goes another way. They're hiding in the hills until dark.
0: So wait, it was the Arikara... Arikara. Kara yeah. pretending to be Pawnee? Pretending to be Pawnee. And, like, speaking the Pawnee language? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shoot. Man. Mafia.
1: Mafia. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, I'm these saying, guys are hardcore. Jen. They're like, here, come have some lasagna. It's okay. My mother <laughs> made it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dutton, who's on the boat, right? They left him with the rifles. He hears the fighting, the ruckus, whatever. He's like deuces. He pieces out. He goes oh God. downstream. He's but like, I'm all the, all the guns. Yeah. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. He eventually encounters Marsh walking along the river. So Marsh gets in. They're like, Marsh is like, I think everybody died. So yeah. let's, let's just go. Oh,
0: God. Did they think Glass died too? Yes. Yes. He's yeah. like, again? Again.
1: So they leave. They go to Fort Atkinson. They actually make it to Fort Atkinson in May. No incident past that. The two of them. They're, they get there, they're like, Hugh Glass died. Again. So, <laughs> <laughs> Second time. So there's Hugh Glass alone in the wilderness, in the midst of hostile tribes, without a rifle, and three or four hundred miles from civilization. He's fine. Again. Yeah. But it's like, whatever. Like, Already done it. Already yeah, done it. He's, he's good. He still has that fire in him, Jen. Oh, for sure. The revenge fire. So based on the nearly impossible circumstances imposed upon him by Fitzgerald and Bridger, Glass would later confess to a fellow trapper, quote, although I had lost my rifle and all my plunder, I felt quite rich when I found my knife, flint, and steel in my shot pouch. These little fixins made a man feel right, Pert. When, when he is 30 or 400 miles from anybody or any place. We need to bring that back. I know, right, Bert? <laughs> I'm going to start
0: using that all the time. Everyone's going to be like, hmm?
1: Like, what? That's interesting. Like, the soap? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, he thought that the Arikara roamed the Platte River Valley. So, he was like, I'm going to not be on the river anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they seem to be river people. I'm not into it. Like, I'm going to go cross-country on a direct route to Fort Kiowa. Like, he's going to go back. Mm-hmm. It was springtime, buffalo calving season, so he was, like, really fortunate, and he ate really well.
0: He killed all the baby cows, cows. or or baby bison. In
1: the write-up, it says, Glass dined regularly on veal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, no thank you. Anyway, so he finally gets to Fort Kiowa, and someone there is like, John Fitzgerald is enlisted in the Army and was definitely at Fort Atkinson. Glass is like awesome gonna i'm gonna get there i'm going mm-hmm. so sometime in the june of 1824 he walks into fort atkinson he I, honestly i feel like he sauntered he was oh, like he did. <clears throat> he was like oh it's happening it's happening now it's happening he demands a face-to-face meeting with john fitzgerald unfortunately the u.s army <laughs> was like that dude's a soldier we own him he's government property oh shoot uh, we're not gonna let you like have at him they Glass is like, no, 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 let me tell you I this. just want to talk to He's him. He's like, let me, I just need to tell you this story, okay? <laughs> let me tell you this story. Do you see all this? <laughs> do, you, do you see how my I... missing lips? <laughs> <laughs> do you see how I can't close my eye? Do you see my ribs? Listen, this, this guy, what happened. he left me for dead. Did I die? No, I'm here in front of you. Right. So the captain on duty is like, I'll get your gun for you, Returns it to him, and he advises glass he's like just forget about for fitzgerald as long as he's a member of the u.s army as soon as he's like out we'll let you know like it's fine
0: we'll let you know (laughs) we'll send you
1: a letter you'll get it Uh in like 18 years right so he was apparently overjoyed to be reunited with his rifle Mm -hmm. it was really important to him but jen he's still frustrated that he could not have satisfaction he can't get none yeah he can't get none but anyway, he moves on to Western Missouri. After a few months of working, he did a bunch of random jobs. He decides he's going to try his luck in a different part of the country. He's like, I got to get out of here because all I'm going to think about is Fitzgerald. Like, so he goes to Santa Fe. He's like, I'm going to go to New Mexico. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm having some like, you know, I mean, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, like, yeah, yeah. the whole like obsession. Yeah, just... Yeah, One thought. One, one thought. thought. And that's such a bad movie. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's just making me think of like, writing on the walls, <laughs> Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. Just all over the place. Laces was, out, yeah. He's
1: just obsessed. He obsessed. So anyway, according to George Yoon, Glass was paid $300 at the fort because they were like, listen, we get it. You need to kill this guy. Why don't we give you $300? Will that like satiate? Will it compensate you for your like, you know. all the All that. <laughs> your plight. Yeah. So he was like, whatever. So he used that money. That's how he got to Santa Fe. He uses this okay. money. Okay. Once he's there, he partners with this Frenchman named uh, Dubril, and the two men went on a trading and trapping venture. They went all the way to the Gila River. After years of trapping and trading southwest of Santa Fe, he wasn't doing really well there. He ended up relocating to Taos, which I am I think that's in New Mexico. I'm not sure where yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Then he was hired by Etienne Provost to lead a trapping party into the Southern Colorado territory of the Utah Indians. And when he was trapping and canoeing down a river there, he spotted a lone woman, native woman, along the bank. And this woman was a Shoshone. And they were at war at the time with the Utahs. And they were super hostile toward any white fur traders Mm -hmm. in that region who were trading with their enemy. And... Glass and the guys that were with him approach this woman. They're offering her beaver meat, but I don't know what it was that they did. She was like, no, she screams, right? The Shoshone are alerted. They were nearby. They fire numerous arrows at them, right? There's this big attack. Uh, One of the trappers gets killed, and then Glass got an arrowhead embedded in his back. So anyway, he travels 700 miles with this wound. In mm-hmm. his back. Uh, once there, a fellow trapper using only a straight razor removes the metal arrowhead. Just a lot of whiskey. Just 1800s. All the things. Jesus. After spending several months in Taos, uh, he let, you know, like healing up and all that stuff, he joins a group of trappers heading for the beaver grounds of the Yellowstone River Company. So he's like back in his old stomping grounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you would wish that it would be like, oh, he finally meets up with Fitzgerald. He never does. He never does. Never gets his revenge. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry, never happens? Never happens. Oh, my God. In gosh. the movie, it happens. Oh, but in real life. But in real life, it never did. Oh. So then it's real hazy. From 1827 to 1829, it's like nobody really knows what he was doing.
0: He was just killing beavers. Yeah.
1: He was just doing like some Like everyone trapping. else. Yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, was just killing beavers
0: all over the place. <laughs> Poor uh, beavers.
1: I know. All the beavers. All their butt-butts just...
0: Just so much (laughs) vanilla.
1: So so much vanilla. (laughs) Uh,
0: By the spring of 1830,
1: he is trapping and hunting on the upper Missouri region, and he ends up getting based at a recently constructed Fort Union. And according to this historian H.M. Chittenden, Glass worked as a hunter for Fort Union and harvested so many bighorn sheep on the hillsides opposite the fort that the hills became known as the Glass Bluffs. Okay. It was, like, intensely good. This trapping. is how
0: this is like this time, and that's how we wiped out like so many animals. All the things, yeah. yeah. He was just like boom, 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 like it's like yeah. glass was like like <laughs> he was <laughs> Yosemite was, salmon, Yosemite salmon, and just like insane. extincting am- animals, <laughs> just left and right alone by himself. By himself. <laughs> In fact, an 1874
1: map of the territory of Montana showed the bluffs near the mouth of the Yellowstone as still being identified as Glass Bluffs. Oh. Kind of interesting. The American Fur Trading Ledger book contained accounts for Hugh Glass Freeman, indicating that he routinely traded at Fort Union during b- between 1831 and 1833. So then, in the spring of 1833, he goes with this guy Edward Rose and Hilan Menard. They depart. Uh, they depart. <laughs> they departed Fort Cass to trap beaver a short way downriver from the fort. So as they're crossing the ice of the, it's like a frozen river, uh-huh. right? They were ambushed by a large party of Arikara, who had been concealed on the opposite bank. All three men were shot, scalped, and plundered. Including Glass. Including Glass. So it was, yeah, I guess the Arikara war party were wanting to steal horses. They'd been scouting the area, and then they saw those guys, and they were like, all right, we're going to take these dudes down. So it wasn't like they knew who they were right like i don't think they were like oh that that's that guy yeah <laughs> right so another man who also worked for ashley and henry james p beckworth described the burial of the three trappers and the crow indians deep emotional reaction to the death of the veteran trappers cuz i guess the crow were like super cool with them uh-huh he said we returned together and buried the three men amidst the most terrible scenes that i had ever witnessed the crying was truly appalling the three men were well known and highly esteemed by the crows when their bodies were lowered into their last resting place num- Numberless fingers were voluntarily chopped off and thrown into the graves. What? Hair and trinkets of every description were also contributed, and the graves were finally filled up. Fingers. I'm like, is that real? Is it? That... Did they really do that? I w-
0: I didn't. Like, is look that it a up. saying or is that a real thing? I think it's. I think it's real. Like people. I
1: don't know. Like tribute, just like your pinky. I mean, what if, like. What if you had, like, a really important family, you know, and, like, you didn't have fingers because, like, they died? You I don't know. You had to keep
0: throwing them in the graves. Right? So, wait. So, the Ari- Arikara killed them, but mm-hmm. then the crow like, found them? I Well, I think that somebody found them,
1: and then they took them back to the fort. Because they were close enough to the fort, I think, that they were just found by, like, a scouting oh, party okay. or something. Oh, okay. Okay. And then they were really devastated.
0: Dang fingers, huh? We should yeah. we should research Look that. Look that up.
1: Yeah. Some of the Arikara war party who had killed those three trappers moved on to the headwaters of the Powder River and then they encountered a camp of trappers led by this guy Johnson Gardner and pretending to be a tribe other than the Arikara like kind of the way they are. The trappers allowed the those guys to warm themselves by the fires. But the trappers noticed an an Indian with glasses, rifle. Like, they recognized the rifle. Oh. And they ended up fighting with them, and they captured two of the Arikara. And then they ended up finding also more knives and guns who belonged to those three who died. And they ended up scalping the Indians and burned them alive. (gasps) Yeah. Because they were like, why do you have this? Why do you have this? And they, they didn't wouldn't say why or didn't whatever like I don't know if those were the same group that ended up had killed glass and his companions Uh but yeah they did that and then in 1839 Edmund Flagg provided the record of Johnson Gardner's demise when he stated that quote not long afterwards so after they did this to this group of native folks Mm -hmm. uh, Gardner himself fell into the hands of the Eric Arwas Erica Rawls, I think I'm saying that right, E-R-I-C-K-E-R-A-W-S, who inflicted upon him the same dreadful death. Little karma.
0: That is some karma right there. there.
1: So that is the story of Hugh
0: Glass. Dang. A lot of scalping. A lot of scalping. Yeah.
1: They do it in the movie, too. It's uh, it's just,
0: uh, yeah, well, most of those movies, like, they'll show the scalping bit, and it's just so...
1: But yeah, like I said, I pulled so much of this from the site HughGlass.org. And I do want to really quickly mention the Karankawas. Mm Mm-hmm. The like earlier tribe that they said it was extinct. Well, Jen, they are not extinct. I'm just going to real quick tell you this thing. Sweet. In 2021, there was an article that was written in like the Texas Tribute or something like or Tribune or something like that. Anyway, it said on the sandy shore of the Gulf, a small group formed a circle and began to sing through the August heat. Some played ceremonial drums and two others held large painted canvas that read Save Corpus Christi Bay. Of the dozen people who prayed, sang and spoke in the circle that day, three women were representing a people that most Texas history books claim are extinct. They're part of a small but growing group of indigenous people who call themselves Karankawa. Katala means culturally mixed, and Karankawa is the name of the people who, for several centuries, controlled more than 300 miles of the Gulf Coast from approximately present-day Galveston Bay to Corpus Christi. They ended up finding each other on social media and, like, the internet. I assume maybe they did, like, a DNA test. I mean, that would be super cool. And they're coming together because there's an oil company moving to expand its facility on a patch of coastal land in an area where their ancestors lived. So they are trying to work against that pollution happening or that industry coming Mm -hmm. into that area. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why on the beach in late August, Love Sanchez and others prayed for a halt to industrial development on the Texas coast where the Karankawa people lived before plagues, wars, and colonization came. Most history sources claim the Karankawa people disappeared from the Texas coast around 1860, but yeah, obviously they're still around. So wow. she said it's an emotional journey, what we're going through, said Sanchez. a 37, she's 37. She grew up in Corpus Christi, and she co-founded a nonprofit, The Indigenous People of the Coastal Bend. And that is our organization to support. They are at indigenous peoples of the coastal bend, all one word dot org. And you can you can't like contribute directly to them. But I know Mm -hmm. that there's a way to contribute reparations to tribes that like land on which you might live or your city is in or whatever. There's a way to look that up, like to find out what the historical tribes are and then to find organizations to donate to. But I'm just saying, check out that website. And then also I found this other one that's karankawas.com. And they list a lot of social media profiles that are good to follow and will like help them out so um, just go to those websites and follow all the things. They're really cool. But yeah, that's my uh, story. Yeah, I them.
0: noticed that whenever I've done some stories on that in- involve Native American tribes yeah. or land, it's hard to find one that you can... Because do- a lot of them right. are not something you can donate to. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I usually look for some associated, like, I don't know, program that they're... That they're participating in yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah and that... Karankawas.com is kind of like a blog, and they have a lot of stuff in there that you mm-hmm. can read about, like their culture and the things that they're doing now and things you can support. So I thought what it was What about really the neat. Arikawa? I didn't see anything. I mean, I didn't actually look up and see if they had anything special yeah. going on, but yeah. But they're That's still, I mean,
0: they're still, as far
1: as I know, still around. Yeah. Around. I mean, I'm they're sure kind in of very small numbers. Badasses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean right yeah so yeah that's my
1: story of Hugh Grant I made it through the revenue Hugh Grant Glass. you just Hugh, said Grant. Hugh Grant I did it again
0: Hugh Glass <laughs> <laughs> now uh next full episode on Hugh Grant <laughs> he's a really For, good like dancer. four weddings and a funeral <laughs> and then he did
1: some stuff <laughs> and he did some weird stuff in the 90s we're, um <laughs> we like we don't like to think about it not the 1890s. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was... I thought it was interesting. I actually did... Yeah, I made it through The Revenant. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. It's really emotional. And kind of... There's definitely icky parts and... Oh, yeah. All the feels. But... I
0: feel like there was a flight uh, at some point. Flight. it was, like, it, on there. It was on there, and I was like, uh...
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I, good. I remember being on a flight and looking at it. It was like an option, and when, I was when thinking like... year did it like, come out? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't really pull up the revenant hold on let me look it was in 2015 which is a while ago but yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: but yeah that's i remember looking at it and being like do i want other people to watch me watch this movie yeah also in it he there's like a really sad part where a horse dies and then he guts the horse and goes in like stays inside of it while there's a winter storm
0: oh it was
1: very like star wars that
0: makes me exactly yeah but like the guts "Ah." and the the animal in the Star Wars was so icky. It was like... So it's like gooey and... Yeah. yeah. I like, mean, this is also it's gooey. It's like chia pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it took me... Sorry, because I know you hate chia pudding. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan.
1: It took me a minute, but the guy who plays Fitzgerald is this... Oh, God. Why... I Why does... Was... It goes out of my brain as soon as, like, we start talking about it on here. But he's, like, the guy who was on Batman... Oh god. He's really nice looking, but he's also English, I think. And oh. he's speaking this American accent that's like so drawly.
0: Oh. And I was like,
1: I was like, who is that? And then I realized who it was and I was like, what? Why? Why? So weird.
0: Yeah, like, why didn't they get somebody who could Yeah, do it. It was
1: just like really and just gross. He was really gross. Ew. But anyway.
0: Well, yeah, cuz you want to hate him.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you definitely want to hate him. Yeah. But anyway, so Jen, Now that we're at the end of the story. Yes. What would you put in your
0: emergency preparedness kit? I mean, there's so many, what are you gonna be saving yourself from? So I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but just Mm -hmm. from what you is, you know, talking about that's so much like hiking and just being out in the wilderness. And it makes me think about like just being wet all the time.
1: Oh yeah. Oh no, they're always wet. Even he gets out of the horse and he puts on his wet clothes. That he left because he got naked and got into the horse. Oh. And he just left his clothes out in the snow. And of course, they're wet. Yeah. Everything's wet. And they're always going through water. And they're like
0: so much chafing.
1: So much chafing.
0: So I don't know. I I mean, I don't know if you've like, I feel like a nice um, powder. Oh, like a talcum powder, but that doesn't give you cancer. Have you ever heard of monkey (laughs) butt? no it's like a real thing so let me just tell you that when I used to do field work on the turtle islands yeah 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 I mean lots of chafing because you come in off the boat and there's like but not really for me I was more worried about all the guys working on the project yeah and so I'd gone you know in stateside I was at like a target or yeah somewhere like that and I found this (laughs) this powder it was called monkey butt if you haven't heard of it it, it's like you just need... I feel like they needed some sort of monkey butt powder. Like a jumbo container of monkey butt powder? Yeah, because you couldn't really shower. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, if he were dying, yeah. and that guy took his monkey butt powder... I feel like that's what he would have wanted more than the gun. That's the flame of revenge. Yes. Right, right. I feel like that would have been the thing that he needed the most. Like
1: like if that had happened when he went to talk to the army captain, they would have been like, Yeah, you can he took your monkey butt.
0: <laughs> go like, get him.
1: Go get that's really dishonorable. Yeah. Like you can have Adam. He's discharged already. Just we just did go. it. We've already processed
0: it. the paperwork. He's done. <laughs> I imagine how much better life would have been with just a little bit of monkey butt. powder.
1: Like if we ever invent time machines. Yeah. We're just, I'm gonna go back to i I'm gonna go back to eighteen twenty-four. I'm
0: gonna meet up with this guy, Hugh Glass. No, all we're gonna do is go (laughs) to like these posts and be like just just like selling like hawking it. Hawking monkey butt powder. <laughs> it's a real thing guys go, great. go find it i'm totally gonna check that that's amazing all yeah. right i so. don't know if we can say it as our thing though because it's a real thing no no no. we've done it before we, it's okay. we, we, did, we did like cliff bars i think and all I, right i put like a little. well i team. mean here we go yeah monkey butt powder
1: container of monkey butt. i love it monkey butt powder yeah on it that's on great it. that's great
0: there you go well jen we have a couple patrons to shout out oh we do hey, would you like to go first sure we can each shout out one excellent thank you so much to lisa Thank for you for joining us for becoming a patron. Patreon family. Yeah. We appreciate it. We thank you. We thank all of our patrons. Uh, we also have another one. His yeah. name is Bruce. Thank, thank you, you Bruce. so much, Bruce. Yes. Yeah. We really appreciate the support you guys. It yeah. helps so much. And Megan, thank you so much for the story today. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm glad we. I'm glad you did that one. I was wondering, yeah, yeah. when is it happening? And well, it happened. I was so worried about
1: watching the movie. I was like, oh, this is going to be an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. I'm going to be like really upset about it. But then once I read about him, I was like, oh, okay. So some of these things aren't real, real. Yeah. So it wasn't as devastating. Yes. I mean, not that he, he got mauled by a bear. You guys. I feel
0: like life back then is just like. I. I mean, it's amazing that he survived beyond the pirate thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly
1: keeps with his booty his pirate's booty his
0: pirate's booty and beyond getting being a human sacrifice yeah like that's amazing all of that stuff i mean it's amazing he made it as far as he did sure i wish he had died like peacefully
1: yeah like like he's you know whatever how old would he have gotten to like 60
0: (laughs) what what (laughs) what year was he born
1: they say it's like 1798 or something like that. So okay. eight, 18, let's see. 30-something, like right?
0: 1833, I think. So he was only That's like 96. not even 40? Yeah,
1: because the, the, it was like the 10 years of his life after he
0: was a pirate. So honestly, I did look up a picture of him. Yeah, he's pretty intense. Looking. He looks like he's like seventy-five. <laughs> yeah, I'm he, just saying. I mean, it could be the whole like mauling right, situation. Right. Yeah, yeah, but
1: 1783 is when they think around the time he was born.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So that makes him a little bit older, a little bit but older. still. Yeah. Life life wasn't easy, guys. Listen, Jen, he didn't have sunscreen.
1: <laughs> he didn't, you know what? He really also needed like a nighttime moisturizer routine.
0: He needed some moisturizer. I mean some, the scarring. Some was vitamin E. Just, just some yeah. Vitamin E
1: kills versus scarring. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed telling it. Mm-hmm. He was really like I you know, like I said, if they're tall tales or whatever, it's still an amazing
0: life. That's that story was a real part. It was a real part. It's a fun story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're gonna die out there is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by the talented and super nice guy, Jonathan Pillsbury.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. Yay, yay. Uh, all of this is possible because of an amazing group of Nature Nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're gonna die out or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry, but it is. Uh,
1: Another way you can support is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Uh, If you do, Jen will send you a really kick-ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address.
0: I will do it if I forget. Hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, Also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. We kind of steal them all the time. Yeah. Because um, they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you're going to die out there.com or an email, you're going to die out there at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>